comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Great to have you. Amen. We've been looking at discovering your identity in Christ. Life is exciting when we get to know who we are in Christ. And when I started this teaching, I told you that these are fundamentals of the gospel. If you don't get these things, you will not excel in your Christian life. They are so simplistic and sometimes it's so good to be true. But that's what it is. Praise God. Some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you, you may fight with it initially, but allow the Holy Ghost to work <laughs> because that's what it is. Once you understand these things, you'll be released to enjoy your relationship with God. A lot of us relate to God based on fear instead of responding to his love. And it's because our eyes have not been opened by revelation to see God for who he is. And preachers, sometimes also we have not helped. Sometimes the way preachers are presented God, we have made him to look like uh, one man who is waiting for you to make the next mistake so he will hammer you down. But God is not like that. Thank you. God is not like that. Okay, so come with me to Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. We said, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say I, the son of man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the son of a living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, but Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. So we establish that our identity can only be revealed to us by our father. Somebody say our father. So when we come into a union with Christ, when we get born again and we become members of God's family, God becomes our father and he begins to tell us who he is. Normally when a child is born, it's a father that gives a name to the child. You know, names represent identity. Yeah, everybody can be identified in this congregation tonight by your names. And your names most likely were given to you by your parents. And a lot of us have been given and wearing labels that were placed on us by people who never know us at all. They don't know us. They measure us by some performance standards they put upon us. Or sometimes you yourself, you measure yourself by certain standards you put on yourself. And then you are not able to accomplish. And then at the end of the day, you conclude, I'm a failure. I am this. I don't measure up. All of those are wrong labels. Send to your neighbors the wrong labels. We want to go into scripture and as we are beginning tonight, we will move on week after week. We'll be exploring one after the other what God says of us, what our true identity is with the Father. We establish that knowing your identity is critical and it's foundational because who you are affects your relationship with God. When you think that God is against you, coming to God will be a difficulty. But when you understand that God loves you, it's always easy to respond to God. There is no way you will ever run from God no matter what because you know he loves you. God 
loved you so bad that when you were a sinner, he loved you. Now that you are a saint, now that you have been sanctified, now that you are his child, his love cannot be quenched. A lot of us sometimes we think that when we sin or we fall into temptation or we do something wrong and then God gets angry. God is never angry with you. Praise God. He may not approve of what you did, but his love for you is constant. I'm not communicating somebody. Get that straight. That is very, very fundamental. There are some of us sometimes when we even fall into something, we think that we are no longer children of God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. So affect your relationship with God. A lot of Christians respond to God out of fear because instead of responding out of love, he loved us. He said, if God so loved us, we ought to love him back. We ought to love one another. So he expects us to respond to his love, but only after we have understood his love for us, knowing who we are affects our relationship with God. If there is a person God is angry with, maybe the sinner, and even the sinner, God is waiting for him to respond to his love. Affect your relationship with God. Number two, it affects your relationship with yourself. When you know who you are, it affects your relationship with yourself. When you know that you are valued, when you know that you are cherished, when you know that you are of great price, you were bought with a price, you value yourself. I value myself because I know God values me. Somebody say God values me. Do you really believe that God values you? God values you so much that the most priceless gift in heaven, he gave it up for you. That's how much valuable you are. He gave the most expensive thing in heaven just to get you. It shows you are of great value to God. Somebody say I'm of great value to God. So it affects your relationship yourself. If you know God values you, you will learn to value yourself. You will learn to love yourself. A lot of us don't have good self-esteem. We don't love ourselves because we think that God doesn't love us. God hates us. God is angry with us. All of that affects the way you see yourself. So it affects your relationship with yourself. And obviously, when your relationship with yourself is not good, your relationship with others will not be good. When you have a bad relationship with yourself, you don't love yourself, you hate yourself, you think that the whole world is against you, you are always responding in anger, the least vocation respond with anger outbursts of anger outbursts of rage all of that because you think the whole world is against you so it affects your relationship with others and then again when you know who you are it affects your behavior it affects your behavior again it affects your relationship with the devil the devil ought not to be feared by you somebody say i don't fear the devil you must not fear the devil because anyone that is born today is born to overcome the devil praise god in the book of John, he said, little children, you are of God and have overcome the world for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you walk in the consciousness that there is one greater in you than the one outside the world, you always walk with boldness and with courage. And then, of course, it affects your potentials and possibilities. Somebody say my potentials and possibilities. What you can do is not based on the family you were born into. I was born as an Afuakwa. As an Afuakwa, there are things I can do naturally. But it's always limited. At a certain point, I can't go further. But having been born in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not complicating somebody at all. So that becomes your new perspective of yourself. You begin to see yourself as one who is full of unlimited possibilities. Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once for we are well able to overcome. Why? Because they saw themselves in God, not outside God. Of course, how you view yourself, your identity affects your response to situations in life and empowers you to deal with the challenges of life better. Have you met people who think that the whole world is against them and they think that they are failures, they can't make it in life, their problems are too many? I meet them every day. One of the things that sometimes people come and ask me questions about is the fact that they are dealing with a lot of issues. They are overwhelmed by the challenges of life and they can't simply have their way around it. And I always let them know that 
that it's because you are looking at the wrong thing. When you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, God never sees you as a victim. God never sees you as a failure. God never sees you as a defeatist. He sees you as more than a conqueror. Do you understand who more than a conqueror is? That person is gone to victory. He's won and he's come out with the bounty of battle. That is who you are. Somebody say, that's who I am. Of course, number eight, when you understand your identity, I like this so much, it releases you to serve God with joy and gratitude. You serve God with joy and gratitude. You know, I realize that those who serve God out of gratitude, they do it better than those who serve God out of fear. Yeah. Where you know that what God has done for you in Christ, those who pay tight and they do it because they are trying to avoid the curse, and those who do it because they are grateful for what God has already given them, they do it differently. Praise God. God is not after you to curse you. He has blessed you so much that you can be cursed. Am I complicated here? He's blessed you so much. And when you come to the realization of the blessing he's given you, there is nothing that you will find very difficult to part with him. Am I complicated here? Now we are going to a step further and we are looking at who are you? Who are you? And our answer tonight is I'm a new creation in Christ. Somebody say I'm a new creation in Christ. Say I'm a new creation in Christ. Yeah. Part one. You see, your identity in Christ is based on God's view of you. Somebody say God's view of me. Your identity in Christ is based on God's view of you. Everybody that is on the planet, God sees them all in two ways. Everybody, all of humanity, God views all of humanity in two ways. One, he views you either in Adam or in Christ. Somebody say Adam or in Christ. Everybody on the planet, Muslim, white, black, Caucasian, yellow, everybody is viewed by God with two lenses. One, either in Adam or in Christ. Now, let's look at it in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 20. But now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Since by man came death. Please take note. By man came what? By man came what? By man also came the resurrection of the dead. Did you see that? Who was the man through whom death came? Adam. By Adam, death came. By Christ, resurrection came. Now let's read verse 22. He says, For us in Adam, let's read it together one go. For us in Adam, all, all did what? In who did everybody die? In Adam, all died. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made. All shall be made. Okay, so we are establishing two people here. There are those in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. In Adam all are declared sinners. In Christ all are justified as saints. In Adam there is shame, there is reproach, there is failure. In Christ there is success, victory, success. Somebody say, say an amen. So there are two places. In Adam all are there. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 5. When we were in Adam, that's what happened to us. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins. Somebody say transgressions and sins. At what point were you dead in transgressions and sins? When you were in Adam. When did you get into Adam when you were born? Everybody born naturally is born into Adam. We enter into Adam by natural birth. We enter into Christ by spiritual birth. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he was not talking about natural birth. Adam, anybody born by nature is a sinner. That's what David could pray and say, in sin my mother conceived me and in sin 
I was born. Because Adam, in Adam, all were made sinners. And in Christ, all shall be made alive. So the Bible says, all of us used to live like that. Life in Adam was a miserable life. Praise God. Life in Adam was a miserable life. Look at how it used to be in Adam. Ephesians 2 verse 11 and 12. The New Living Translation. Don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. Even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living. You were living where? Apart from Christ. I can imagine how living apart from Christ would be like. You were living apart from Christ. That's how it started. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promise God had made to them. You live in this world without God and without hope. Can you see? That was bad. That was bad. Life in Adam was a miserable life. There was no hope. There was no hope, no joy, no life. There was virtually no life in Adam. That was how life was in Adam. But we come into Christ. Something happened. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 5. No living translation. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And we've already established that this death was in Adam. So we're dead in transgressions and sins. Verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now follow. He says, all of us, somebody say all of us. He says, all of us at one point in time, because there's no human being who has never been in Adam. Once you're a human being, you were one time in Adam. Those of us who are born again, we used to be in Adam. It was when we accepted Christ that we switched from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Adam, into the kingdom of Christ. So once we are born, we are born into Adam. And now we have to be reborn into Christ. So he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving objects of wrath. Somebody say objects of wrath. Now, when you go to verse 4, he introduces something that changes the equation. He says, you used to be an object of wrath. And for those of us who sometimes think that God is angry against you, God is not angry with you. You used to be an object of wrath, but no more. In Christ, you are not an object of wrath, you are an object of delight. In Christ, you are an object of great love. In Christ, you are an object of great affection. In fact, he's so much obsessed with you. Can somebody say an amen? Look at verse 4. He said, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, look at verse 5, made us alive with Christ. So where were you made alive? Oh, talk to me. Where were you made alive? We said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 that in Adam all die. In Christ all shall be made alive. And here he says that we were made alive. We were made alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in sins, it is by grace we have been saved. Ephesians 2 13. Ephesians 2 13. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God. Somebody say, I used to be far. Once you were what? Far away from God, but no more. Somebody say no more. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought where? You have been brought where? Now you have been brought where? Through the blood of Christ, you've been brought in here. So stop singing, draw me nearer to you. You have already been brought in here. Praise God. 
draw me nearer, nearer, bless the Lord. To the, no, he has already brought you near by his blood. Praise God. God is closer to you more than ever before. Praise God. Now, so how does God view you? For you as a born again Christian or a Christian, God does not look at you in Adam. He looks at you in Christ. That is why we need to know who we are in Christ. So when we talk about knowing who we are in Christ, we are simply talking about seeing ourselves the way God sees us in Christ. How does God see us in Christ? And that's what we want to start with. First, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. He says, therefore, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. How does God see us in Christ? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is where? Oh, let's read it together. If anyone is what? If anyone is in Christ, he may be a murderer, he may be an adulterer, he may be a fornicator, he may be whatever. If anyone is in Christ, a thief, if anyone is in Christ, what happens to him? He's a new, oh say it, he's a new what? He's a new what? All things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Somebody say all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you read your New Testament very well, okay, particularly the Pauline letters or the Pauline epistles, you will see that phrases like in him, through him, by whom, in Christ, appear severally. In fact, in the letters of Paul, it appears over 162 or so times. In the book of Ephesians alone, which I'm preparing a teaching to be done next year, we'll be studying the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians alone, it appears about 38 times who we are in Christ who we are in him and through him and all of that. We see and not many times reflected. Now, it just shows where we stand with God in Christ. Now, when we talk about to be in Christ, what exactly does it mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What does it mean to be in Christ? Number one, to be in Christ is to have a new identity. Somebody is to have a new identity. When you are in Christ, you have a new identity. God does not see you uh, through you. He sees you through Christ. The moment you enter Christ, Christ envelops your life. He said, for our life is hid in Christ and in God. So your life is united with Christ. So in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, it's interesting. The Bible said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Do you see it? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Praise God. So our identity, natural identities are lost. In him, you are known through Christ. Who you are can only be defined in Christ. So who you are, if you are in Christ, it talks about your identity. Number two, if you are in Christ, it means you are united with him. To be in Christ is to be united with God. To be in Christ is to be united with him. It means that your life and his life are intricately interwoven with each other. Irreversibly interwoven. Your life cannot be separated from Christ's life. Praise is God. That's what the Bible said. When Christ who is our life. So your life is no longer your life. Your life is Christ's life. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. He said, now look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. I know you have a fresh start. There's a fresh start for you. Your amen is very sick. Amen. There is a fresh start for you. The old life is gone. A new life begins. 
He says, look at it. So we are one with him. The Bible said he, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17, he said he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you are one with Christ. You are one with Christ. The life of the vine is not separate from the life of the branches. You are one with Christ. Then, number three, to be in Christ is to share in his inheritance. To be in Christ is to share in his inheritance. That's to say that everything Christ has, you have a share in it. Somebody say everything he has. I think you should be excited about that. Everything he has, you have a share in it. That's why you cannot live your life as a pauper because Christ is not poor. Praise God. Christ works in glory, you have a share in glory. Christ works in wisdom, you have a share in wisdom. Christ works in honor, you have a share in honor. Somebody say, I have a share in everything. Yeah, Romans 18, 17, it said, since we are his children, New Living Translation, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, can you see that? You are a partaker of the glory. That's who you are in Christ. All right? So, where is our identity? Our identity is in him. In Christ, who are we? We are a new creation. Let's look at the new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's explore it a little further. The word new, the word new comes from a Greek word, kainos, which means unused. Somebody say unused. Unused and one a new kind or unprecedented. And use and one a new kind or unprecedented. That's what it means in, in the Greek. It means that you are brand new. In fact, it actually means that original of a kind not seen before. It's not a car that they have a model and then they remodel it. They change the light and it's a new. No, no, no. It's, it's a brand new thing that has never existed before and it's existing now. That is what it means to be new. The word creation comes from the Greek word ketesis. Ketesis means an individual or a thing brought into being by God. An individual or a thing brought into existence by God. And then, if anyone be in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become. Somebody say become. Say become. Become also means to come into existence. To begin. To be. All to arise. Now, if we summarize all of it together and we join them together, out of the Greek, we are getting this rendition for the new creation. A new creation, therefore, refers to an individual of a kind not seen before but brought into being by God. Somebody say, I'm a kind not seen before but brought into being by God. You have never existed before. The new creation. That's why the new creation has no past. Somebody say he has no past. Uh When you become a new creation, you have no past. You say, oh, pastor, I used to be a very, very bad person. No, that record is not with God. Somebody say it's not with God. Oh, I've committed this. I've committed this crime. I've committed that. God says it's not. They say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things because a new person has been created. That has no relationship with the past altogether. That's who you are in Christ. So as a new creation, all things are passed away. And behold, everything is new with you. Praise God. Stop judging your life by your past. Stop living actively in your past and begin to look into your future. Because God does not relate to you based on your past because there is none actually for him to refer to. Praise God. In the new creation there is no past 
What you have is a glorious future. What you have is a beautiful future. What you have is a future that is full of God's glorious plans and purposes for your life. Am I communicating somebody at all? Now, once you understand this, you will begin to see yourself in a different way. Praise God. Because some of us, we look at ourselves in the past and because of what we could not accomplish in the past, we begin to think that the future is not looking too good. The future cannot be better, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. I want you to know that as a new creature, all things are passed away. All things have become new. May you walk in the newness of life. May you walk with this revelation. May you walk in the consciousness that everything that used to be bad is in your past. Now you have a brand new future, a brand new future that has never existed before, a brand new future filled with possibilities, a brand new future filled with glorious things. I like it when the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I want you to lift up your voice and begin to thank God for who he has made. has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. Second service, 8.15 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. Third service, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service with our first service, 5.45 p.m. to 7 p.m. Second service, 7.15 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you. Oh.